Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. We've spent a lot of time over the last couple episodes talking through all the cockamamie fan theories surrounding the avalanche of new content that was the end of 2021. Why? Well, because quite frankly, we have no originality. After some 80-something episodes, we are completely devoid of new ideas. We've peaked, folks. It was a nice ride, but it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Anyways, we might as well coast along as long as possible and milk every last cent from this gimmick before we... Uh, uh, oh, excuse me. What's that? Really? Not even a couple cents from Spotify. Oh, well, I guess we'll just give our idiocy to the world for free in this episode 87, The Real or Jabroni Double Feature. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who uses approximately five sticks of Old Spice extra strength per week just to cut down the steak smell from his constant meat sweats. He has been my partner in idiocy for over two decades and fellow Mickey's fine malt liquor connoisseur. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you, sir? You know, I'm doing all right, but I am like, I was like this close to once again waterboarding myself with my own saliva. I don't know what's going on. I think you should see a doctor for that, sir. My birthday's coming up in a couple months. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm over the hump of my mid-40s, and all of a sudden now I have the saliva glands of a St. Bernard. I don't know what the hell is going on with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm turning into Hooch from the movie. That's basically what my life is going to be. <laughs> I'm just going to be drooling in a home by the uh, time I'm 50. And gosh. you know what? Quite honestly, it's probably always been trending that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, um, you've survived the, the bulk of the holidays thus far, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Did Santa bring you everything that you wanted? Oh, very much so. I uh, received some uh, updated equipment. Uh, my my eldest is taking the sound equipment I was using for this podcast uh, back to school with him. So I uh, was uh, basically given a, a new set. And uh, basically, I now have a setup that is uh, WKRP in the basement. So, I was going to say, you have your, your Dr. Johnny Fever starter set going, which is very I nice. Do. Did it come do. with the I sunglasses see- and everything? Uh, well, I'm wearing glasses, not sunglasses, but <laughs> <laughs> my old man eyes need the glasses. <laughs> oh, by the way, I actually ordered some new glasses today and I was un- I was just unbelievably ecstatic. The fact that I have new glasses on the way, like I was, yes. I was tickled when I got the confirmation text and then I was, I was even more tickled when they're like, Ooh, they're in process. I'm like, oh, my new glasses are on the way. And I realized at that point, just somebody shoot me. It's over. When, it's when over. I got the text. So this goes back about three weeks. When I got the text that the glasses were in, I was in the car right after dinner on my way to pick them up. Cause I'm like, I, I, I need these. I'm getting so irritated with, with the fuzziness that's going on with my vision. And, uh, uh, and so I, yes, I, I was equally ecstatic and yes, there comes a point where you come down from the high and you're like, well, why, why is this so exciting to me? 
Yeah. So for all the members of the free range EDC congregation out there, if you want to get in on the action about the the, the office oh, pool of who's going to be Lord. in adult diapers first, me or Tim, <laughs> feel free to send those guesses to Tim at freerangeedc.com and uh, you know submit your submit your guesses now. Uh, because I have a feeling it's not going to be all that long. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of us is probably going to poop our pants before the end of this show, quite honestly. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's, it, dude, it's 50-50 every single time. you got to admit. I mean, we're hitting that oh, age. Yes. We're hitting that age. I know. I hear you. I hear you. Are, do you really, or do you need a hearing aid next? <laughs> no, I, I do hear you. I I will say, and, and and maybe this is more week and geek material, but but I will say that that I actually lived through today a a segment that uh, comes directly out of a Christmas story. Uh, if you recall, in that film, the father uh, has a an ongoing war with the furnace in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I went to swap out a headlight light within our our Honda Fit. And if you've ever owned a Fit, you know that... Oh, good um, God. That has to be like the worst car in the world to do anything under the hood. There's like uh, no hood. Yeah, th- because there's no access to the lights from from the normal, you know, go go into the engine area. You, you, you actually have to, have, to, you have to go through like the tailpipe. You have to go in through the <laughs> wheel well. Oh, jeez. So uh, there was a lot of... <laughs> did you, you did you at least record this for posterity? No, but my neighbor's got an earful probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh. awesome. I, oh my gosh. I came in. And, and, the, said, and the other thing is, what are you dri- doing driving a Honda Fit? Like you are not a, you're not like a, a you know, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a very, you know, huge guy. Like you're taller than I am and I can't even imagine myself being comfortable in a Honda Fit. How do you do that? Uh, it's it's actually a very very uh, economical and good to drive car. It's a little it's like driving a go kart. I like it. I noticed that you don't say a thing about comfort. <laughs> it is comfortable. <laughs> After right. you know you get done swearing, banging your knee and whatever. But you know <laughs> it's like sitting on a folding chair, one inch above the ground. But right, right. It's yes. great. It's great. And now oh that I've changed gosh. the headlight, it's even better. So <laughs> now, like me, my car can see. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't have Blinky the Honda Fit anymore. Do you have the Bumpus Hounds running around out there too? <laughs> Probably. I just, you know, they stayed away, thankfully. So my favorite part of that movie, and it gets me every time, is when the father gets the telegram that he won the thing. <laughs> And then he goes, going. he goes Good. out and he's like, here, fellas, have a shoe on me. And he puts his leg out there and lets the dogs gnaw on it. And when then we, he slams so, the door and the, and the dog's ear is hung. He's yeah. like, serves you right, you dirty bugger. Close the door again. <laughs> we watched that movie on Christmas Eve. And when that part happened, we, yeah, like, like we all just erupted. It was just like, like we've seen the movie a bunch of times, but for whatever reason, that part just hit us all the same way. And it was just really funny. Oh. Oh, it's like, a classic. It's an absolute oh classic. Gosh. A classic moment. I have a chew on me, boys. Classic moment within a classic movie. Oh, never gets old. And we will absolutely. all pretend that A Christmas Story 2 never happened. Exactly. You hear me? It never happened. Mm-hmm. Much like Titanic 2 and uh, the second and third Matrix movies. <laughs> never happened. Uh, Anyways, indeed. Now that we now that we come to an uncomfortable end to our intro, <laughs> just you got anything? Nope, I ain't got I, nothing. I was waiting for you to transition us, my friend. 
next. <laughs> and now in place of this segue, allow me to tap dance. That's apparently what we're going to do. Cha-cha-cha-cha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's see what we have going on in the Week in Geek. I notice there's not a whole lot on the outline, but let's uh, let's see what we got going on here, sir. What do you got? Week in so funky well uh after uh, last episode's week in geek i figured we had about two episodes full oh, worth geez. of uh, content <laughs> so, i'm so, so ashamed of that too i had the <laughs> reins and i managed to drive it even further than you did uh, it was a great failing on my part uh, but i figured uh you know it wouldn't be the week in geek in the uh, towards the end of 2021 here as we as we round out this year and Start to fire up the engines for 2022 uh, to to once again revisit our our fantasy football uh, 2021 campaign. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Time out, time out. Yes, We're not sir. firing up any engines for 2022. All right, and there's, and there's no firing of engines. <laughs> Keep the car in park. Your hands inside the vehicle. Nobody touch nothing. All right. This nobody is seizing the year. This is not, no one has vision for 2022. Not mm-hmm. Just everybody keep your mouth shut at midnight on January, on December 31st. Zip it. Nothing. I don't want anything. We're going to walk into this one nice and calm. All right. Here's Uncle Todd on first day of 2022. <laughs> Pretty much. That's like 1201. As I, as I slam my finger in a drawer or something. <laughs> Slam oh my finger my in a drawer, step on the cat's tail, trip, yep. get hit hit in the head with a whiskey bottle, and that's how I die. <laughs> and yet again, oh. my family like, yep, pretty much the way we thought it would go. There it is. Pretty much. There it is. Well, we did have over the weekend contested the uh, the third of the Idiot Bull series. Uh, uh, brought to yes. you by, well, we're still working on some sort of sponsor for that. But uh, <laughs> Nobody is sponsoring this. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> nobody whatsoever. Like even off-brand preparation H isn't getting any piece of this. <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't get anything. Nothing, nothing at all. Uh, well, yours truly was facing off against Uncle Todd in a uh, semifinal uh, matchup in our fantasy football championship series, and uh, it was a bit of an awkward and kind of strange weekend. Uh, you know, sadly, COVID is kind of making its rounds more so than, well, I don't know, before apparently. Um, <laughs> Impacting both of our teams. Wow, that's uh, some analysis you had going right there. Well, did you, you know, I, did you get a briefing from Dr. Fauci before you, you went I was in choosing that deep? my words carefully. Choosing okay. Words carefully. All right. Just wanted to make sure. But uh, yeah, both of us had players who uh, ended up uh, being sidelined due to COVID. Uh, we had, uh, I think on your side, you had one that was uh, committed to the IR. Um, and so it just kind of uh, threw our lineups into a bit of a tizzy. But uh, have no fear, folks, because at the end of the day, uh, the man they call Tim uh, was able to, to, I wouldn't say squeak out a victory. It wasn't a blowout, but it wasn't a squeaker either. So, uh, but uh, 182 to 166, I believe that is a final. I don't think we have any other players uh, remaining to go. But I do want to call out, uh, especially uh, the New England Patriots defense, want to thank them for showing up and almost going into negative territory, uh, basically uh, netting zero points for the week against the Buffalo Bills, uh, making me sad not just once but twice. So 
What the heck you got going on in the background? You have a, uh, that's you have a, a sailor machine. doing a hornpipe? What, what yeah, the crap kind of. is that? Yeah, it's Patrick. Oh, he's at your house now? Thank God. <laughs> I haven't been in the office for a couple of weeks here, and I'm just, I, I, I'm, I shudder to think about what's, it's good to know that he's there and, and tending to your stuff now. Enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, sir, yeah, both of our quarterbacks were kind of mediocre this week. Uh, we, we had a couple highlights in the wide receiver department and uh, and, and maybe a, a highlight in the running back department. But otherwise, it was a pretty pedestrian week for both of us uh, with, with me just kind of having just enough points to stay ahead. So what say you, sir? I just want to say I threw this thing. I totally well, – I took a dive. I appreciate it. I was I was trying to just eliminate this segment, so I just wanted to let everybody know that I I took this hit for them, so that we no longer have to talk about fantasy football for the rest of the year. Oh, we'll we'll talk or, one more ever again. One more time. Oh, are you serious, dude? It'll be the finals. There's only one of us in it, though, and nobody nobody even cares when they're both of us are in it. Oh, uh, this is a highly rated segment in this show. So, <sighs> oh, you looked at the quarter hours, really? I did. Oh, I did. great. And uh, yes. And and I just want to also say the reason the reason why two reasons why this thing uh, kind of went south on me. First of all, because Yahoo was giving me all this grief because I knew that uh, Godwin from Tampa Bay was was on was on the IR, but for some hmm. reason it wasn't letting me letting me put him on the IR, even though the little IR thing was there. And it's like you can't put him on the IR; he's not on the IR. Like <laughs> there's a little thing there that says like you put him on the like he, you have him listed as on the IR. Let me put him on the IR. You can't put him on the IR because he's not on the IR. I'm like, all right. So I just I left it and then I thought, you know what? I'll just I'll deal with this tomorrow. That was like Wednesday. No, and uh, you know I mean Christmas Eve, Christmas family, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Was I thinking about any of that? No. So I completely missed that one. And then of course you know Davin. Uh, Dalvin Cook, of course, one last just middle finger to me uh, this season. He's already done it several times. Of course he gets COVID as I'm going into the playoffs. I mean, I mean, well wishes. I hope he's okay and all that. But, man, it was just Mm -hmm. another one of those like, yeah, and you know what? One more. And, you know, and the funny thing is, like, again, because I was, you know, I was trying to do family stuff and fantasy football, quite honestly, is not even on my radar. Uh, but the funny thing is, had I actually gone with the ideal lineup that I mm-hmm. could have, mm-hmm. I could have taken you by like three points. Yes. Yep. But the problem is, it would have involved me starting Ryan Tannenhill. And that's just something I've sworn that I would not do anymore. I've just, I've, I'm off the Tannenhill roller coaster. But of course, everybody on my team underperformed. So it was a, you know, it's one of those deals where I'm like, meh. I, what are you, you know, do? I, I actually started Stafford this week because when I read about Tampa Bay and some of the injuries and, you know, COVID and everything with their offense, there was a question of, like, who is Brady really going to throw to? Um, and so I actually put Stafford in, um, and it turned out to be a push. I mean, Brady did one point better than him, but it wasn't like it was like he put up 70 and I'm, like, kicking myself for not starting him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was pretty much, you know, what you would expect. Yeah, our teams um, are fairly pedestrian, except for 
a couple guys who, uh, like, one guy for in particular, two guys for me in particular, overperformed. My yeah. man, uh, Mark Andrews from from Baltimore, had himself another day. Mm-hmm. 125 yards, one receiving touchdown, eight receptions. I mean, just outstanding numbers for a tight end. And then of course, next year, sir, he's a keeper for next year, uh, which is very odd. Like that's not usually like, Ooh, I got to make sure I hang on to that tight end. Usually not a position that you think about that, but you know, Mm -hmm. uh, of course I'm not playing next year. So I could get a crap. (laughs) I was trying to see if I would get a commitment out of you, but no, no. And then, uh, then, uh, Adams had himself another day, of course, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Mm -hmm. had himself 33 points, 114 yards, two uh, TDs, 10 receptions. Of course, it was all for naught because uh-huh. I had two goose eggs <laughs> at wide receiver and running yep. back. And folks, that just don't work no matter who else overperforms. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. uh, that was the story of me. So, and so a good immediate riddance. bowl cup, which I don't know quite what that is. It's like but, a Dixie uh, cup that's been in a drainage ditch for like two and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> Like a raccoon's <laughs> peed on it. That's that's well, basically my the, award as the uh, as, as the as the idiot. Uh, you, <laughs> as the you better idiot. wear some gloves when you accept that award. <laughs> Get hepatitis type, you know, like M. Oh, good what? lord! The, the idiot extraordinaire this year in in our herpes in simplex one hundred and thirty three in our league. So, not to mention rabies. Uh, that's never good. That's never good. And a really annoying sniffle. Yes. Yes. Like that. You know the sniffle that you get. This like you could t- you take cold medicine and yet it still doesn't go away. Mm. You've got just enough to be annoying. Just mm-hmm. enough. Not enough to make it like a full blown cold. Like nothing you could actually stay home with. But just enough to make you just be like, it's annoying all day long. Mm. Yeah. That's what you're gonna get from that Dixie cup. Yep. Yep. So, with the Idiot Bowl series in the books, we move on. Uh, one last item, uh, and then we will wrap this up. Uh, during Christmas, I uh, not I, our family, as a family gift, we got a, uh, a book. Uh, it will be my and another thing for later. Obsessed with Star Wars, test your knowledge of a galaxy far, far away. 2,500 questions in this book. Good sweet and- lord. <laughs> And uh, let, let, let me, uh, I will just randomly open up and read a question. We'll see how good Uncle Todd is. On, was this on authored the, by the, the guys from the scruffy, uh, scruffy looking podcasters? Uh, no, this is authored by Benjamin Harper. Oh, okay. Sounds like a good solid name. So the, the questions can go as deep as this. How many nostrils do, uh, ho- hold on a second. Let me see. Do, Say What? Yeah, I, I got to hold this up because I don't have. Okay, how many uh, nostrils do Angry like Jedi Master Pablo Jill have? A two, B six, C nine, or D four? How many nostrils? Take a guess. I. Uh... <laughs> Can I phone a friend? Like what? The... <laughs> phone a friend it's kind of the thing is like i have jimmy dice where are you i'm always i always kind of take pride in my in my knowledge of trivia and here it's like man if this question if someone had a gun to my head and this was the this is a question i'm dead i'm a dead man my brains are all over the wall so uh, i don't even i'm know gonna go what, with i'm gonna go with nine so you're gonna go with nine uh that is incorrect it was d4 four okay. nostrils yeah now I don't know who, uh, like, what type of an alien an, an Angri is. 
And I don't know who Jedi uh, Master Pablo Jill is either. So I would have uh, also been guessing on this one. Well, it's a creature with four nostrils. <sighs> I mean, duh. I know. What are you, some kind of noob? Uh, let's see. Let's, oh, oh you, you could go for another one here. Let's. This is the this is the make Uncle Todd look stupid segment, which is actually the entire show. So yeah, by no, all means, no, no, proceed. No, no. Uh, let's see. According to Anakin Skywalker, from what nightmare did he rescue Obi Wan Kenobi? A, a nest of Gundarks. B, a nest of crate dragons. C, a nest of dewbacks. Or D, a nest of Tusken Raiders. Um, is it Gundarks, Crate Dragons, Dewbacks, or Tusken Raiders? What, according to Anakin, what, from what nightmare did he rescue Obi Wan Kenobi? Dewbacks. Uh, that would be incorrect. It was going to be nest Tusken Raiders. Gundarks. A. Oh well, I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, gosh, who doesn't so, know that besides me? Oh, oh, wait, the office is calling. There, there is that phone, a friend. <laughs> I love how you still have a landline. It is, it is, uh, that is like one of my new things. Cause I mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but the man they call Tim, very tech savvy gentleman. Uh-huh. Like this is, this is your thing. And yet it sounds like you have like the phone that was the, the next phone after the rotary dial up That's hanging right. in your kitchen. Like it still has a cord, That's you right. know? <laughs> so you can only go like nine feet away and it's all gnarled up. So you can really only go like a foot and a half because you can't <laughs> untangle the thing. <laughs> You get kind of jerked back towards where the base is. Exactly. Like, <laughs> uh, Well, anyways, uh, with our, uh, you know, upcoming episodes, uh, I think Uncle Todd and I will will, will need to consider uh, a contest of sorts to see oh, who has the uh, most knowledge or most luck in terms of guessing. Hell <laughs> the no. The number of nostrils that and a certain There's going to be no bourbon on the has. line for this because <laughs> it's just not happening. All right, all right. The well, only we, kind of we, the only kind of whiskey will be like Fireball because I can send you like a like a ninety seven cent nip. There you go. There you go. It would cost more in postage to send it than it does to actually buy the dang thing. Agreed. Agreed. But maybe we should uh, for the weekend geek. Now that fantasy football will be winding down, maybe this can take its place. We can do like five <laughs> questions. <laughs> Great. What do another- you say? Another segment that nobody gives a crap about leading oh, off come the on. show. That'd be great. Oh, That'd be great. It'll Let's be make wonderful. the show more user unfriendly. Yes, It'll by be all great. means. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I'm tired tonight. I don't care. Sure. <laughs> all right. Next episode, we'll 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 do the fast five. We'll we'll get some five questions. The fast up. five. You've already got a name for it. Oh my That's gosh. Right. Boom. <laughs> All right, and uh, well, actually, no. In- it should be what it should be called the Red Five, shouldn't it? Oh, I like that. Yeah, who's who's your Star Wars trivia guy now? Eh, well, come at me, bro. All right, all right. Well, Gundark, whatever. Study the, your the alien species Gundark nostril is. count, and we'll see who wins. <laughs> yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Oh, and with that, uh, that, my friends, is the under 30-minute version of The Week in Geek. It only took like 30 episodes, but we finally achieved our goal. Victory is mine. Well, let's not get to it. You know, you're still batting pretty low. I mean, <sighs> you're down in, you're down in like Bob Euchre territory right now. <laughs> Don't celebrate yet. <laughs> 
Anyways, oh. we decided uh, after doing uh, about 18 or 20 real and jabroni <laughs> episodes in the last like three weeks that we would uh, we would actually try and condense a couple of these because we've got some mm-hmm. results to get to and we also uh-huh. have some reactions to get to. So we talked this uh, this episode is a double feature. We're going to talk about Spider Man, Spider Man. Yeah, that's great. Spider Man, No Way Home and also Matrix Resurrections. And we're going to kind of give our thoughts on them, find out who managed to sift their way through all of the fan theories and get down to what is the real and what is the jabroni the best and uh you know see who uh, gets themselves a couple bottles of bourbon here mm-hmm. so uh let's start off with uh in chronological order because well yes. that's how you so helpfully put it on the, on the outline uh spider-man no way home yes now uh what jeez oh, Two movies here that kind of were all about bending reality in their own way. Yes. Um, so uh, what were your main thoughts on this, sir? Uh, I thought it was, you know, again, just a, a very well put together story. Um, I, I, I when, when you and I have were, were talking about this, we had, you know, kind of the phrase that kept getting thrown around in our conversations was, you know, there 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 was that opportunity for things to go off in a not so great direction and mm. they avoided it. You know what mm. I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it, it was very focused storytelling. Um, clearly from our real and jabroni picks, uh, n- didn't nearly go into any of the areas that we were thinking it might. <laughs> yes. I'm ladies and gentlemen, zero Kirsten Tunt sightings. Zero. And None. pretty not much. Not even uh, a mention really. Oh my gosh. I mean, at least there was somewhat of a mention from Electro about, you know, like, I mean, he didn't say Miles Morales, but I think the implication was, you know, when he was talking about uh, there being a black Spider-Man about, you know, Miles Morales. Oh um, yeah, that was a little wink to the fans. But exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, like at least there was a hint of that. You know, yeah. there was no Kristen Dunst at all. Not um, even a whiff. Oh my gosh. Uh, Venom was an interesting appearance uh <laughs> that happened it was oh not my gosh quite... that was such like a like a troll move on marvel and sony's mm-hmm. behalf that, that i can't i can't even be mad at him because i'm like all right yeah. sure well done well done you know i mean you got me you got me but also managing to artfully play the fans but also manage to get symbiotes into the mcu mm-hmm Yep. Or at least leave that door open without without having to tie Tom Hardy and Venom, per se, directly to it. Right, right. Which I do appreciate that because it does then allow you to keep these universes separate in some way, yeah. which is, is interesting. Yeah. It would be kind of cool if they were all together. But, I mean, it, it. we're also seeing, like, the possibility that this could happen again. So, I mean, nothing's mm-hmm. completely off the table, but. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah, but 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 I thought you know the whole the the way they wove Doctor Strange kind of into and out of the story was was well done. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really thought the way that they brought Andrew Garfield and Toby you know Toby Maguire in was was really ingenious with with yeah. having uh, with with having um, oh what's his name Ned uh, using the sling ring to kind of try to bring uh, totally didn't see that coming no. totally but it was so great so great. It was and 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 so well done and and done with depth because it was great to see the way they kind of brought them in and have um you know ha- have those two uh you know past Spider Men 
you know, kind of talk him through his grief and, and kind of share their experiences and, and use their backstory as a way to kind of add some depth to, you know, let's be honest, seeing something play out that we've seen play out two other times, but play out in a very different way. And, yeah. um, and so I, I thought it was really well done. I, I thought they, they handled, um, you know, May's death with, with, you know, the right, you know, the right treatment and, and leading it to, and, and I loved how they also kind of played with that idea of him, you know, be teetering on the edge of, of vengeance and, mm. you know, really requiring those other two to really kind of help, you know, balance him out and, and, you know, help him avoid going down a very dark path yeah. um, and that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, so, so overall, I mean, I think it was, it was just a really, you know, from beginning to end, just a, a well, well done story. Um, and, and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't overdone. It wasn't, you know, like we had some stuff about the multiverse in here and stuff like that didn't come into play and it didn't need to come into play. You know, um, I, 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 I will stand here today and say, I will, I will not do another Mephisto, uh, <laughs> real, uh, for the rest of this year. Uh, oh, I guess that only means four days, but, um, Although that's, I mean, we we did have another six episodes of Real or Jabronis planned, so uh, yes. I mean, yes. there's still time. That is true. That is Just true. Putting that out there, but uh, but yes, I I incorrectly uh, selected a number of things. Oh, and then the lack of Sinister Six, uh, the the fact that they had you know all those villains lined up, but it wasn't really about them coming in and doing any sort of damage. It was interesting you know, to kind of see the Spider-Man work toward the, the, you know, long-term or kind of ideal goal that they were all shooting for, which was to try to help, you know, these individuals and, and have that be kind of the, you know, the focus. So, so I thought that was, you know, I, I thought it was really cool that they kind of went down that road as opposed to it being some sort of coordinated, concerted, you know, super lineup of villains to kind of take on, um, you know, the Spider-Man, uh, even though there, there was a smidge of that, you know, as part of the finale. So, yeah. So overall really good. And, and of course I, I gotta say really love the, the kind of, uh, running into battle uh, sequence with the three of them, you know, web slinging off of each other and, and kind of hitting the pose before going. Into oh, yeah. Battle. So that, oh. that was just fantastic. Yeah, all of that was was great. And I, I agree. I've, I've seen I don't know if I'd go quite as far as, as uh, in terms of effusive praise as I've seen from some folks on Facebook saying, oh, this is the most fun Marvel movie ever. Greatest Marvel movie ever. Like, uh, OK, rein it in a little bit. It was really good. It was really good. And I think that all of the all of the Spider-Man movies from this era, the the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies have all been really good. And, uh, and again, I think it comes down to the fact that they they just got it right. They just got it right. Yeah. And I mean, let's not let's not forget, like. They didn't get Spider-Man really right until Sony kind of went to Marvel and was like, OK, fine you can play with your toy again you know and then we kind of get we kind of get spider-man the way that we've i think most fans have wanted him and and maybe didn't know it back in the day because we didn't have the mcu and all that but i think that they really got the tone of spider-man correct and i think part of that comes from the fact that he exists in this world with other heroes so that there is a there i think there's a little comparison necessary for mm. Spider-Man to really exist. He, he doesn't exist singularly the way you can with like Superman. Yeah. Superman can exist without any other superheroes 
because he's Superman. It does everything and all like Spider-Man requires a little bit of perspective because you need to understand like kind of he's still a kid and he's going to make mistakes and and he he does these things and you you see that in comparison to other superheroes Mm -hmm. and how he doesn't act and how he's not really uber cool like Tony Stark or you know like 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 some of these other heroes he's a bit of a he's a dork. And you don't get that yep. unless you have the the perspective of other heroes existing in that world. So I think that helps enormously. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think the direction has been great. I think the the writing has been great. Acting has been great. I have zero complaints for for any of these movies or any of the appearances that Spider Man has had in the MCU. So it was great there. I think they did a like you said with uh, with Ned <laughs> discovering he could use Doctor Strange's sling ring was awesome. <laughs> um, especially the fact that the whole scene where where we see Andrew Garfield get pulled into the MCU mm-hmm. and then the whole the whole interaction with Ned's uh, was his grandmother, right? Right. Right. <laughs> That was that was hysterical. And he said, "She says to to can you get that spider web up in the corner while you're up there?" That was like it's so great, you know. And and that how is. like all of a sudden like Andrew Garfield's like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll put this and it starts straightening all this stuff up that he's messed up." And she's like, "I'm going to bed." It's like <laughs> it was such a great scene, but it also gave you a lot of like character building in that in that little scene, and it was mm. it was very efficient storytelling, and they. And they had to because of just the sheer number of characters that you're yeah. going to have in this movie. And they they did it very efficiently, gave everyone a little little bits of business, might have gotten a little goofy in some places. But then again, that's been the vibe for these Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Is, is that they yeah. have been a little goofy and that I think that's good. It's OK to have fun, you know. Right. Otherwise, right. you wind up in the DC universe where everything is, oh, it's gritty and, and dark and raw. Okay, that's great, but I don't want that all the time. I mean, crap. Or like, you know, Mortal Kombat, you know, fatality times 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was great. I thought the way they brought in uh, Tobey Maguire again was great. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'd never seen any of the, the any of the Andrew Garfield movies. I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's not as terrible as what I thought he was going to be. Then again, I, yeah. maybe he wasn't as good in the movies. I don't know. I thought well, he I thought his I thought his Spider-Man. They all the all three of them had had their own little bits of turf and three very distinct characters. Mm-hmm. And that was great mm-hmm. that they managed to to make them complement each other. But yet you never lost track of which mm-hmm. one was which. Right. You never were like, oh, well, he's now he's just basically they're all acting the same. Right. They each had enough personality differences that you never lost track of where any of them were in the story or who where the lines were between between the characters and that's that was very important for this very important because you've got five other movies besides the tom holland movie movies here so i mean you have to give those characters some weight and respect and i think they did that and did it really well well, and, and, you know, when you're talking about Andrew Garfield, I, I thought one scene in, in particular, which was great, was when, uh, when, when MJ is falling and, uh, and Tom Holland's Spider-Man can't, you know, save her yeah. and, and you see Andrew Garfield do the dive and, and save her. But then there's like that emotional part at the afterward where he's just like, like, like this was kind of not so much redeeming him because I don't know that, you know, as a hero, when you can't, 
you know, make a save or, or if there's a mistake like that, that happens where, where you, you, you know, there's a life that, that you can't save. It's, it's, I have a hard time calling that a mistake, but clearly that weighed heavily upon him. And so yeah. for him to stand for, for them to, like you said, kind of respect each of the, the different Spider-Man backstories and kind of have him do that and, and be emotional about it afterward. Like, you know, like, like he, he realized he was doing something, um, almost in a way to kind of make up for that was, was, yeah. was really, you know, just like you just said, being respectful of the characters and, and kind of honoring, you know, the backstory of, of what had been established up to that point. Yeah. It was a measure of redemption. It wasn't complete redemption, but it's a measure of redemption, which is right. what, you, what right. you wanted for that character. I mean, even, even not knowing, having not seen the two movies with Garfield in them very, and another thing they did really well is catching you up. Yeah. On those. And and again, Marvel has done uh, and Feige has done an excellent job with this in all of the Marvel movies of r- kind of discerning what fans want to see and then what casual viewers need to have. Right. Yeah. And not over, you know, overboard explaining and all that, giving you just enough background and, and giving fans or viewers enough credit uh, of or enough credit for their intelligence that okay you'll pick it up yeah but yet also yeah. giving enough little easter eggs and enough little bit of business that if you're a real fan you're like oh yeah that 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 does such a great job balancing all that and and i got that with andrew garfield like very quickly kind of was like oh i get it kind of get this character mm-hmm. and so even even as someone who had never seen him in that role that never seen those movies i had an emotional response to him in that moment like yeah. oh good for him man you know like yeah. it, and then I'm like, I don't even like I just met this character 40 minutes ago. <laughs> no idea who the crap he is. Right. But right. but yet they made me care about him in that time. And that's not an easy thing to do. And they did it. Yep. And uh, as a casual fan. Yeah. And even the same thing with the with the McGuire Spider-Man. Like I only saw the first two movies and I don't even really remember him that well. Yeah. And again, brought me right back to where he was at and and. There was enough of him, even though, of course, you know, he's older as an actor. The character is older, but there's enough there where you're like, yep, that's the that's the kid grown up. Mm-hmm. OK. And brings me right back there where at the end I'm like, oh, man, sorry to yeah. see him go, even though, again, you just got re- I just got reintroduced to that character not that long ago. And they did, yeah. did a great job with that. Great job. Oh, yeah. And, and and I thought all the villains were great. I mean, I thought William. Oh, sorry. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, again, put some respect on that. <sighs> put some yeah, stank was, on it he, is what i will he was great and, and oh, I, he, I, oh he, he was it's like he hadn't lost a beat no no well, he doesn't that's the, no. that's the other thing like willem dafoe is one of those guys who uh, much like uh he's he's one of those actors that no matter what the movie is he's bringing his fastball now the mm-hmm. fastball might mm-hmm. not have as much as it used to have but you know he's giving you everything in it like even in like even in the wes anderson movies that he's been or not wes anderson uh is it Wes Anderson? Fantastic Mr. Fox? Um, I think so. Something Anderson. Anyways, the quirky movies that you that people either love or they absolutely despise. Um, and he was in um, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Hotel Budapest. Whatever. The Budapest Hotel movie. You know, the one I'm t- I, I like these movies and yet I can't remember a single <laughs> damn thing about him. It's fantastic. <laughs> but he plays this character where he has he doesn't have that many lines, but the dude is just working it in every single scene that he is in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just great. And he, he does that. And he, it was great in this. 
uh, you know, all the all the uh, Jamie Foxx, you could tell he was kind of having a blast with this. Like, all right, I got some stuff to do. Like, this is yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, what you have uh, Octavius, who is who is great. Um, yeah. Yep. They, and, and again, did a very good job of like just enough information to to like casual fans like, hey, this is this dude. Oh, OK. And, you know, the fans are like, oh, yeah. And I remember this and that and the other. And they did that balance that well. And again, each of them had their own little piece of turf and, mm. and just very economical and, and did it really well. Kind of got a little goofy in some spots. But like I said, that's kind of these movies. So I can't get upset about that. Mm-hmm. It was a fun it was a fun ride overall. I mean, yeah. And, and I say that not in turn because, I mean, we did have a major, a somewhat major character death. So it's not like I'm saying, whoa, I'm is dead. Ding dong. No, it's not that. It's a, it was a fun ride in that you 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 what finish watching this movie and there is a bit of catharsis to it. Yeah. Like you went on a journey yep. through this. I mean, it was literally like I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats, which I mean, quite honestly, that phrase doesn't matter anymore because everything is better than cats. Uh, the movie. Um <laughs> Oh, Which, did you know there was a, apparently somewhere out there? So the, the the animated cats movie based on the the musical and all that, where they transformed all these. It, it's like one of those movies. You remember of uh, years and years ago? I think it's like movie forty two or something. Like this, this director like tricked a whole bunch of famous people to being in a movie, and they all did like these scenes, and it kind of got splotched together. So on the on the hmm. on the video box it has all these names but they had no idea they were actually in this movie oh wow and it's like they all got scammed into it i kind of feel like that's what happened with cats because if you read who's in it you're like good lord what what kind of what level of blackmail was involved here that you got all these people Uh, (laughs) what did you have on them (laughs) yeah and and but apparently there there was at some point because they're all they're all like cgi'd up as cats like it's not just like the the broadway show where they put on like an outfit and they you know like glued some fur to an you know a leotard mm-hmm. and called it good like they full-on like cgi these things there was a cut where they showed the cat's buttholes oh because if you if you've owned a cat mm-hmm. or you have lived with a cat at any point in your life there is that moment when you've woken up and you are staring eye to eye oh jeez <laughs> This was not where I thought the conversation was going to go, but please continue <laughs> with a cat's butt. There, it oh, has gosh. happened at some point to every every person who has lived with a cat. Oh my gosh! And it's traumatizing. The first like hundred times it happens, and after that, mm-hmm. you're like, "This is my life." And, but yes. but you see the yeah, oh my gosh! But that that hap- that's a thing out there. So the, I mean, now it's like eh, everything is better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, good God, any certainly. And I mean, even even Steven well, maybe not Steven Seagal movies. I don't know, All right, let's let's bring it back to Spider. Where, I, I kind of got lost, but anyways. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's go back <laughs> before before you go off on another tangent that's going to hor- horrify me to my very core. Right, if if it was conversational GPS, it would be going recalculating, 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 recalculating. Stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's what we need in the gps we gotta have that guy stay on target oh that'd be great <laughs> lighten up loosen up. <laughs> loosen up that's right um uh, oh, and man. i i like you mentioned i 
and and this is one I believe that I got right from the real and jabronis that mm-hmm. that we did lose Aunt May. Ah, uh, yes. And it did make sense because it is the it is like the emotional jolt mm-hmm. that you that that character needs mm-hmm. without losing uh, the friendship of of MJ, without losing that that idea of a future romance or the or the idea of that character doing something down the line. Whereas right. with Aunt May, right. I mean, Aunt May, I mean, I hate to say it, but the character had kind of served her purpose in the story mm-hmm. and really wasn't going to be too much more other than just someone who does stuff. And 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 so it, I, I kind of saw that coming. Um, you know, it's it's kind of too bad to lose Marissa Tomei because she was really good in this as this character. Yeah. And it was a it was an Aunt May that we had. I did not expect but yet was so awesome. I was like, yes, yes, this isn't, this is like the Aunt May I never knew that I wanted, but yes, cool. And she um, uttered the line. Yes. Oh, but yeah, that scene was freaking heartbreaking, dude. Oh, and then to see, and then to see Happy's reaction to it mm. again, like, oh, I mean, there's times when you just kind of forget like John Favreau can act, like can mm-hmm. act his ass off. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden he lays a scene like that on you with like no dialogue. And you're like, oh, damn, I forgot. You're real good at this. OK, right on. Cool. Um, but yeah, that that was that was a gut punch, even though I kind of saw it coming. It was still one of those things where like, oof, yeah, take the wind out of you. Take the wind out of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But also done really well. And 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 like you say, then was used to really take the take tom holland's character into a very dark place into into some very interesting places story-wise where you kind of legit didn't know where this was going because there's right, right. Y- you could see it going in a dark place and then like wow now what now what's going to happen yeah you know yeah. And, and some weird stuff happening but it didn't and uh you know ultimately the entire movie kind of talked about you know redemption in one way or another and yeah. uh and it was it, oh it was it was, it was so well done so well done um, I don't know that I'd say it's like my top Marvel movie, but it is it is definitely prob it is definitely in the discussion for the top five right now. Mm-hmm. And and more than likely it's in the top five. Yep. And 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 I like the little detail too with uh you know, when 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 Tom Holland Spider Man basically is at peace with with everyone for you know, basically getting his anonymity back and uh I love that little touch with Doctor Strange where where even he's getting a little emotional knowing that when he's done with this, he, he's he's not going to know who, who he is. Yeah. And and I, and so I thought that was just a, a very nice touch to have, you know, him who is normally a bit of a cynic and, you know, kind of a oh, Tony Stark-esque, you know, I mean, arrogant is, sort of guy, right? Like Doctor Strange is probably the biggest cynic in the Marvel universe yeah, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's... Yeah. He is he is not a a a you know let me let me you know pop up some sunshine and unicorns and rainbows for you here like he's like nope there's really bad crap yeah okay. gee thanks doc appreciate it <laughs> great bedside manner you got there oh yeah 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 but you know that that was that was great. And again, it, everybody kind of had an emotional arc, and even at the end mm-hmm. when you have. You know, you have Peter going to see MJ. Yep. And as much as you're like, no, no, it's got to work out. Like, he's got to tell her, like, he's got to this and that and the other. But yet I'm like, I know where he's going. I know where he's going with this. Like, it is the only way that, you know, 
it's that thing where it's like I, if I truly love this person, right, and I truly love Ned, I truly love MJ, and I love them as people and as my friends, I can't, they can't be around me, right. And it goes back to what Doctor Strange was saying: you're trying to lead these two lives, right. And right. oh man, it's heartbreaking. But at the same time, you're like, yeah. But that's kind of how that's the hero biz. Like mm-hmm. we've seen this now a couple times. It doesn't work out well for heroes who start letting people know who they are. Just ask right. Tony Stark in Iron Man Three. It didn't, you know, that things things kind of went sideways for him. You know? Yeah. 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 Especially when she brushes back her hair and and you see that cut, you know, on on her you know, kind of on her temple there. And, and he, yeah. he sees that and he kind of folds his paper up like, yeah, we're not going to go down this road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, cause, cause it's that whole personification of what you just said about, about you know, that's a very small example of th- she's going to get hurt if she knows who I am sort of uh-huh. thing. And so I, I thought it was a very nice, subtle way to kind of make that point. Yeah. And and it goes back to the the idea of responsibility. And yeah. yep. you know, when you have responsibility, yeah, it's it's not fun. Responsibility is not fun a lot mm. of the time. And mm. uh a really not so fun moment there for him. But yet there's there is uh, Tom Holland manages to kind of work a little bit of like there's a bit of peace for the character. Right. In, right. in his performance as he's walking out, like there's a bit of peace, like, okay, I, that's one, that's one thing I don't have to worry about now. Right. Right. As heartbreaking as it, as it is, it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about my friends being killed or, or taken hostage or whatever mm-hmm. because they know me. Right. One thing I was supremely disappointed by. Oh, babe. Oh boy. Did we, cause we didn't get a song out of Wong. Was that it? Nope. And by the way, can we find another way to refer to to either Benedict Wong or Wong the character? Because I've seen it a couple times now in an article when they're like Benedict's Wong, Benedict oh, Wong's gosh. Wong. I'm like, dude, you got to find a better way to phrase that. Like, yeah, yeah. It, like, come on, that's like the dumbest, laziest way that you can do that. And I mean, come on, the the man, the man is a a, a massive star of mm-hmm. of screen and stage. An all a well-rounded entertainer and sorcerer supreme. Come on now, like find a better way to phrase that where it doesn't look like a typo. <laughs> well, it has nothing to do with Wong. It's actually uh, uh, we did not see Paul Giamatti return as Rhino, and we did not see Sandman and Rhino leave for a wine-fueled week in Napa Valley with Tom Fury <sighs> and Sue. You can't always get what you want. Uh, Nick and the boys told us that many years ago, and I know. I know. You know. Just thought I'd bring that up. But we have one final bit of business before moving on is what were the results of our real and jabroni for this movie? Ah, yes. And so. Uh, did, the, did the dunce train completely derail the man they call Tim's chances at this? Well, That's that was one point of derailment. The other point of derailment had to do with uh, the fact that I had said MJ would Pat would die and Aunt May would not. Yeah, and that's, mm. neither of those happened, and so therefore I was, uh, you know, I was kind of, uh, you know, hosed at that point. Um, I got a fair number of them right, but but not nearly as many as you, sir. So uh, with a final score of thirty to twenty. 
because uh, again, two points. So we had 31 questions, two points for a absolute right answer. Uh, one point if there's a tie, if we both get it right. Uh, and so uh, it was 30 to 20 in favor of Uncle Todd. So I tip my cap to you, sir. Another victory under your belt, another bottle of bourbon to be had. I appreciate that. I, I will accept your your tipped cap. Uh, however, I do want to just point out, not a whole lot to celebrate. That still puts me at best 50% <laughs> in terms of guessing uh, yeah. these things right. Yes. It, it is truly a question of, you know, a, a, a case of in the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king sort of thing. Indeed. 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 But sir. I will take it nonetheless. And I will say, uh, as we talked in our pre-production meeting, really not a lot of uh, points of debate. I mean, these... Uh, you know, a lot of what we kind of discussed and went real and jabroni on was pretty straightforward for the most part. And really mm-hmm. there, there, there wasn't any kind of gray area like we've seen in past, uh, versions of doing this. So it was, uh, it was pretty straightforward, my friend. Well, I, I take some degree of credit for that, but I can't cause I, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I'm just saying, like, I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I got nothing. Right. I got right. nothing. I'm All just right. happy. I'm just happy to get back on track, especially after after just the beatings that I've taken in uh, in fantasy football and and my previous Rio Jabroni. I'm just glad to get back on track. It is interesting to note that when you know you you lost our our final you know the final idiot bowl matchup, but won this. So. And Very I'm happy about time. that. It's it's yeah, much better for my ego and for my my self esteem and for your liver. <laughs> well, well, no, not really. <laughs> not really. When you get right down to it. Ah, oh, yes. Uh, well, next up, uh, we're going to delve into another mind-bending reality twister: The mm-hmm. Matrix Resurrections. Uh, what did you think about this one, sir? Well, before I give you my, well, not, not before, but, but I guess to preface my, my comments, I, I am, I am one of those fans who is bullish on all things matrix. So I will probably sound overly optimistic, uh, or, or overly positive. Um, but it's because I, in, in the context of the larger story of the series, I thought this was uh, a very good entry. Um, I thought the, uh, Hey, my son was walking by. <laughs> I was going to say, um, co-worker passing no. through? <laughs> um, no, I, th- I thought it was... I thought hey, it listen, was a- did, you, uh, did you not spray in the bathroom again? Did you, plug up the toil- did you plug up the toilet again in the, in the communal bathroom? No, I did not. Oh, okay, good. Patrick might have, but not me. Oh, every freaking day, dude. <laughs> He either, he either needs some more fiber or less fiber. I can't figure out which. <laughs> Sewer main at the office gets a workout. Yeah, something something's up with that guy. Oh yes. Anyways, um, no, but but I I thought it was a, a great entry. I um you know with with the context of of how this story was kind of inspired from Lana Wachowski's uh you know I, I think shortly after her parents had passed away, she kind of came up with this. Mm. with this concept and and i thought it you know knowing that you kind of could see where the story was going and what the story was was really about and the matrix was really more of kind of the the playground for it to all play out in more Mm. than it being this sort of 
focal point or, or, or focus of the plot per se, you know, like there wasn't a mystery going on. Like there was in the first one of what the heck is going on. Um, I, I really liked how there were all these callbacks to different elements of the trilogy. Um, I mean, as simple and stupid as like that whole back and forth that Neo was having with, uh, with his, his boss essentially about this, you know, making this new, well, so so for for those who haven't seen it, uh, he he he's back in the Matrix. He's a video game designer, and his boss happens to be uh, basically a, an incarnation of Smith. And I loved behind him. There's this bust of Smith when he got like socked in the face by Neo. Yeah, um, where his face is all like smushed up, and it's just like sitting there right behind him <laughs> while yeah. while they're having this back and forth. And I just thought that was hysterical. It was it's like it's a bit heavy handed, but it was funny. It was very funny. Um, I loved, uh, you know, just the, the, the use of Morpheus was, was different, but it was kind of an interesting concept, you know, and, mm. I, and, and treatment that, you know, made sense within the universe of, of the story. Um, I also thought it was interesting how they, you know, share or showed quite a bit of the, the symbiotic relationship between the machines and humanity. Um, and, honestly that leading to kind of their ability to kind of, you know, resurrect the two of them. So they, they ended up truly being resurrected. I didn't think they were really going to go that route. Mm -hmm. Um, but they actually went that route. And, and I, I thought it was just kind of an interesting note that if you think on it a little bit, the, the implication is between the two worlds, you know, between the humanity and machines, they have kind of happened upon this way of, of creating life, um, and, and, you know, potentially stumbling upon, you know, immortality in a way, um, which I thought was kind of an interesting, interesting concept. Um, so yeah, so, so story-wise, I thought it was really cool. Um, really enjoyed, uh, it being really about getting him and Trinity to, to kind of get back together. And then I thought it was a great, great, uh, ending to it with it, you know, throughout the whole thing, Neo seems to be like stuck in like second gear. Like he can't quite get back to the Neo we knew in the mm-hmm. matrix, you know, where he was all powerful and flying around and do like, he's, he's, he's got ability, but he doesn't have full ability, you know? Yeah. Did you and, love that moment where they're like, can you still fly? No. And he kind of goes into the pose <laughs> yes. and you're like, for a second, I'm like, Oh, they're not going to, he's like, yeah, not going to happen. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I respect that. Like that's, you know, that's kind of a good, good way to play it. Getting right old. On. I'm getting too old for yeah. this. <laughs> Real Danny Glover sort of moment, like, <laughs> I was just waiting for him to kind of pull out with a Smith. Yes, you know, and yeah. and, and and you know, it, I did notice much a uh, much less kung fu. Like there was definitely some kung fu, and you yeah. know, props to for for Keanu because I know that I I know from just watching some other features, like he he does like to do as much stunt work as he can. Mm-hmm. Um, there are limitations though, uh, especially, you know, as, as we all get up there in age, I, mean, I know we spent a lot of time joking around about us being old farts, but Keanu's got a couple of years on both of us. Oh yeah. And 57. Is he really that old? He's 57. I did. I thought I was going to say like 52. Doesn't I didn't look think it. it. No. Well, uh, <laughs> it depends on what angle. I mean, but then I'm, that's no, that's no knock on Keanu. That's just like all of us, like any of us can look good from one angle. But then all of a sudden you turn, you're like, oh, dear God. Um, 
<laughs> so I was watching. I was watching the. This might be in my and another thing. I haven't decided yet. But it's like the old Don Rickles joke where he he look at a guy in the audience and be like, "He's like, sir, sir, is that your wife?" Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Now I'm not saying like that's proper or or acceptable these days, but. That's kind of how it is with anybody. Like after you get over a certain age, like you're like, oh, I'm looking pretty good, and then you catch yourself right. at another another right. angle in the mirror, and you're like, oh boy, oh never mind, <laughs> yep, never yep. mind, catching up with me, and that's fine. I mean, like, you know, every there are a lot of people who do not get to the age that we're at, so it is a, it is a blessing. Don't get me wrong. I did not mm. think Keanu was that old though, um, but I did notice that they gave him a power in this movie where he could essentially just, okay, Keanu, put your arms out. <laughs> and that's going to push stuff away from you <laughs> instead yes. of him having to do like a lot of like the, the same sort of motion capture and and hand to hand fighting. Like it's just so like he can just push stuff away from him. And I'm like, that's pretty damn smart, really. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it was it, I'm like, OK, because it plays off of like the idea that he did have like, you know, at the end of the third movie, he did become, you know, this incredibly powerful person, both in the Matrix and then out of the Matrix as well, right, which was right. never properly explained, which mm-hmm. I contend is probably best not explained. And um, but then to but to still have like this massive power, but then also, like you say, have those moments where it's like almost like the Hulk, like Bruce Banner can't bring the Hulk out, you know, right, that sort of right. thing. Yeah. I, I appreciated those moments and it was it was good. That was a that was great. That one moment where he couldn't where he's like, not gonna happen. I'm yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, cracked me up. I was like, "Been there, Neo. We got you." Yeah, same if someone wanted me to take a jump shot right now, it probably ain't happening. Well, and and I I I really liked how you know some of it was a commentary on you know just entertainment in general with sequels and and just you know some of the like like when he was going through the loops of you know brainstorming and kind of working on this fourth game and. Uh, and, and just, you know, talking about all, you know, like what made the matrix cool and, and just, you know, all the different ideas and, and kind of riffing on those and then having the movie not really be a replication of, of any of, of the movies of the trilogy. I mean, there there were callbacks to things, but it was very, you know, in a lot of ways it was original content that was not you know, a complete ripoff of, of the prior movies. Now there's definitely a shadowing of sorts in terms of the way the story was told with the first movie, yeah. but it was told in a very different way. And it was really more kind of about, you know, Trinity's, you know, kind of awakening more than anything else. Um, and, and again, that idea that it's, it's really the two of them. I, I like how, uh, who is, Oh, Neil Patrick Harris as as the analyst, you know, I like how his character explains that, like, you know, both of you like individually were, were, you know, really nothing. But when you guys came together, like bad things would happen, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you, you guys bring, and, and it made, you know, and it makes you think back to the prior three movies. Like that's really interesting because it's, it's not like that's a revelation just for this movie. You look back at those three and like, maybe that is how he was able to do all the things he was able to do was because the two of them as, as a, as a tandem, just, you know, whether it be explained as they each had some of the source code or whatever it is, you, you know what I mean? But but it, it was that that relationship that they had is really what brought, you know, gave him the power and 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 brought out, you know, the strength in him and that sort of thing. And, and you saw it throughout the movie, like any time he was his back was up against the wall, like he's sitting in the chair and he grips, you know, really hard. And that's when the uh, the old street fighter, Shoruken, you know, fires yeah. off. And- <laughs> 
<laughs> nice, nice way to so, describe it. Okay. Oh my gosh. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, I've watched it a second time just to kind of, you know, see if I missed anything along the way, but, but I, I thought it was a really enjoyable entry into it. And if there isn't another matrix movie, I think the ending was, was, was just a great one. I mean, I thought it was just very cool. The two of them kind of flying off to, to, to build, you know, to reform it or reshape it into their own vision. And, um, and that story just kind of you use your imagination for where it goes. But I've been rambling on. How about you, sir? What, what were your thoughts? Um, all right. So here's the deal. I just going just a little background information, because I thought this was rather interesting. Uh, the Matrix, OG Matrix, 1999 version. Uh, if you look at the IMDb rating, it is 8.7 out of 10. And the it has a Metascore of 73. So pretty highly regarded. Matrix Resurrections is a 5.8 stars out of 10 and has a 64 Metascore. Now, I mean, you put whatever stock in that that you want to. My point being, I've, I read through a couple of reviews that were not uh, very complimentary. And I'll say this, like I enjoyed the flick. However, I do understand the people who have a negative view of it. And I think it's a case where you can look at what somebody is saying and like, yeah, you totally have a point and you have every right. Like you're not, you're not way off base. You're not just making stuff up. You don't have an ax to grind. Like you got some legit points and I, and you totally have a right to feel that way, but I enjoyed it. And, and those two, it's one of those, I feel like it's one of those movies where those two points can kind of coexist and that you can you can really interpret it in one of those two ways and fully justify it because it is going to be a polarizing movie because there's people like me who look at the original matrix and go it's a great standalone movie mm -hmm. unfortunately when you put it along with the other two i feel it kind of lessens the impact of the first one for reasons that i think we've talked about it in previous episodes but part of it being, you know, the lessening of the Morpheus character, the the kind of bloating of some of the storylines and kind of how some of it gets a little too over the top and gets a little too full of itself from a philosophical standpoint where it it kind of realized like, oh, people look at this as important now. So we can really kind of dig into this instead of just like, hey, let's make a really fun movie that's also going to really tweak your brain a little bit. And it got a little full of itself. You know, and it lost kind of what made the original really good. Um, I enjoyed this movie, even though there's a lot of what was in the second and third movie that kind of made me think less of the first movie in this movie. But yet I was still able to enjoy it. And part of that is is just the fact that maybe I'm just older and I'm more nostalgic and whatever. Maybe I'm getting to be a big, old, big old softy. I don't know. But I did I did appreciate it and I did appreciate it for the for the reasons that you talked about where you're you're going through some of the same beats, but you're doing it in a different way and you're you're putting a twist on it and you're there's a lot of original content to the story, even though you're kind of you're kind of ringing some of the same bells, which is, again, fine. We've right. talked about this in other episodes, too, where hero's journey is the hero's journey it's just different right. characters and, and and you know a lot of these stories are the same fracking story folks you know mm -hmm. they're, it's not they're not reinventing the wheel 
is just how well you do it and how well you craft the characters and then how well you pace it and move things through it and how well you tell the story. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's neither, it's neither one or the other. Like you have to have all those things going and then you get it. I felt like they did a good job telling the story yeah. and I appreciated the fact that, you know, going back afterwards and, and getting into some of the trivia and, and the fact that Lana, which uh, is it Lana or Lana? It's Lana, Lana isn't it? Lana. Uh, so Lana is uh, that, you know, this was a catharsis for her and this is, this is where, you know, she, she wanted to do this after the death of her parents. Lily went the other direction. It was like, that's actually the reason I don't want to be part of this movie and why I don't mm-hmm. want to do it. Again, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I, I can understand and respect both of those points of view. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I feel about the movie. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, maybe it's because uh, of enough distance from the original movie that now I'm able to not take it quite as seriously. There's probably a lot of me being too serious about and possessive about that original movie. Uh, that when the second and third ones were not as good that I kind of was like, ah, let me just <laughs> fight against those. I don't know what the heck noise that was. Uh, <laughs> I think you're moving along with the cat theme a little bit. Yeah, that, that actually was, that's, that's one of my cat's noises actually. And, um, you know, I, so I get all that. I enjoyed it though. I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed a lot of the callbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it was a little bit, eh, like, like some of the gaming stuff was, a little too, I don't know, a little too like, Hey, let's, you know, let's be really meta and let's, you know, this and that and the other and ha- and be kind of funny. And I'm like, uh, it was really never meant to be a funny movie, you know? And I like trying to inject some of the humor. I felt a little bit of it was almost mm-hmm. like, it was like a little canned laughter, like a little laugh tracky. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing that made me hate the movie, but it was it was like, eh, okay, you know. I did in some ways. I I enjoyed the fact that they talked about bullet time and how that was. I mean, that, and that was freaking massive when oh, the yeah. first Matrix movie came out. And and if you're of a certain age, you remember when you saw that the first time, and you literally were Keanu. You're like, whoa. Because no, I mean, you've never seen that before, at least in a Western right. movie. You know, a lot of there, there is a bit of controversy and a fair amount of controversy that the Wachowskis, the Wachowskis did crib or outright steal a lot from, uh, from you know, kind of uh, movies from uh, you know uh, Japan and 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 the you know the East that, that were doing this stuff way before, and then mm-hmm. ripped it and then just put it in their movie and people are like, Oh my gosh, this is so revolutionary. It's like, right. Mm, not really. Um, I did it. I, on one hand, I enjoy the fact that that became kind of a plot device, a story device that like mm-hmm. the analyst could then utilize that slowdown in order to overcome Neo's powers. Yeah. On yep. the other hand, I was like, eh, I mean, kind of a little, I don't know. There's something about it didn't quite sit right. But again, it's what I I've, I I really had a hard time separating those two. Like on one hand, okay, kind of cool. On the other hand, nah, a little too much. Yeah. But I get it. And at the end of the at the end of it, it was there was enough positive for me personally that I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I I like the use of that as well. And I I think you know especially upon a second viewing, it, it's interesting that. Um, you know, kind of going back to what I said before with Trinity being, you know, it, this is kind of her, a story of her awakening and, and her, 
you know, kind of, I don't know that I would call her being the seventh incarnation of the one, because this seems, it, it seems like a lot of the old infrastructure, let's call it like the architect and the Oracle and what the matrix was had been done away with. And, yeah. and this, this new character had kind of built this new matrix and, and anticipated all of the things that Neo brought to the table. But, you know, again, in, in his arrogance, didn't take into account what the other half was bringing to it, you know, and, mm. and, and, you know, her ability to kind of get around some of this or, or even better, like what I thought was an, was an extremely, uh, interesting, you know, approach that they took, which, which made a lot of sense when I saw it play out, but just never would have guessed it would have happened is, you know, kind of playing off that idea that Smith and Neo are, are basically two sides of the same, of the same coin. And that whole standoff mm -hmm. in, in, in the coffee shop where he comes in, uh, and he's able to overcome all this bullet time nonsense that the analyst has, uh, to, to basically, you know, throw off what he's doing. Smith is, you know, as, as, as part of this like uneasy alliance with him, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, like they, they are, they are linked in this world, but they've never, ever been on the same side, you know what I mean? In, in any way, shape or form. And I thought it was kind of an interesting, you know, just kind of curveball to throw into it. Like just when you think the heroes are kind of done in that, this other half of him that has always been, you know, the antagonist is kind of, you know, because it's in his self-interest to, to do so, um, you know, comes in and, and kind of gives them a little nudge to help them out. Yeah. I, although I thought that was kind of interesting. In, in, in some ways it makes sense. And I, and I did appreciate the idea of that duality of the one and Smith, you know, or, or not so much the one, but but of Neo specifically, because Neo obviously went beyond what the capabilities of the one had previously been. So there's, there's something about Neo as the one that that was more more one ish, mm -hmm. <laughs> one plus mm -hmm. one plus one. I don't fracking know uh, more one ish than the other ones previously. The just a, like Smith had managed to break out of being a program into something more. And then, you know, Neo manages to defeat Smith by, you know, for whatever. But I, I, I didn't. The one thing that kind of sits a little uneasily with me is that, oh, well, they're the two sides of the same coin. But why can Smith just easily screw with the analyst when Neo can't? That was a little it's not explained and it doesn't have to be. And it could be the fact that, you know, Smith is just more used to the game you know, and, and is more aware of his his role in the game than Neo. So it's sort of that thing where Neo, like you said, never quite gets out of second gear for most of the most of the movie. Right. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, because at one point, I think actually when they did the first bullet time thing and and uh, and Doogie's moving around and, and Neo can't do anything and he actually does manage to kind of move a little bit faster like he actually did right. manage to break out of it for a split second. And it was, it was one of those, one of those moments, like almost like in a, in justice league, one of the few halfway decent moments was that, that moment when the flash is moving around and you see Superman's eyes mm -hmm. move. Yeah. Following him and the mm -hmm. freak out from the flash, like, Oh God, <laughs> he sees me, <laughs> you know? And it was kind of like that. So maybe Neo at like full power, would be able to do something about that and and mm -hmm. analyst kind of understands that he can't i don't know it seemed like a little a, a little convenient 
I guess. But then again, I mean, they're, they are working at a company that's uh, deus machina, you know? So, I mean, I guess that kind of makes things okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, again, if I'm going to be okay with space magic and Star Wars, I got. I guess I should be okay with this. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but there's a little kind of a knit that you could pick if you want to. I'm not really inclined to though. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that, that that's where I, you know, some of it kind of goes back to, you know, when you're talking about the reviews and stuff, I think some of it goes back to what we've just, what we've said before about fans. Like, I feel like, like there's just no pleasing, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, I commend them for putting a movie forth where they didn't you know, regurgitate and do, you know, the hallway scene where he and Trinity bust into a building and just shoot up a bunch of people and, you know, do something with a slightly different flair to it. I mean, it, it did not feel like that movie at all. I mean, there was some fighting, but it wasn't, it wasn't in, in the same done in the same way or for the same reason that it was done in the first movie. And, and, Mm. you know, a lot of the fighting that was going on was for different reasons and, and was done slightly differently. You know, the whole idea of, them being able to take uh, them, sorry, the, the, the analyst being able to take, um, you know, humans and turn them into these, you know, the swarm mode where they turn into these, you know, mindless bots that start, you know, throwing themselves out of buildings to just stop. Oh, you know. dude, is it, was it just me or is it kind of weird? Like at a certain point that like that last part in the act, like, like in the third act, all of a sudden it becomes a zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa, okay, this is kind of weird. And then when they start diving out of the window, then mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, now, okay, you've managed to take me to a place where I am uncomfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, on on one level, I was I was like, I think I really kind of appreciate the the sheer cojones yeah. of of going to this spot because yeah. I mean, you're not just doing it in a way where it's like, oh, all you know, kind of very pg ish you know action movie where you don't see it like no you're actually hearing bodies like hit pavement and it was it was uncomfortable to a to a to a degree as i'm watching it but then i'm like man yeah okay you went there right on all right like we are going full bore okay i can respect that uh i'm not exactly loving it but I, okay but yeah, yeah that was that was a bit that i didn't see coming i'm like okay didn't really expect an undercover zombie subplot in this but all right yeah sure yeah. Why not? So I, you know, I, I just felt like they, I felt they did a, a good job of bringing, you know, some original content and, and storytelling into the story while also, you know, kind of finding what I felt like I thought the whole video game thing as a way to kind of encapsulate his memories and, and throw him off from, from it being, you know, recognize his memories and, and have it be a trilogy of games I thought was, you know, just right on, you know, especially mm. knowing video game culture now and that sort of thing. I, I thought it was a, a brilliant nod to that kind of world and universe. And, and I loved, you know, the whole back and forth that, you know, Neo had with, with Smith, uh, in the very beginning where, you know, not talking as Neo and Smith, but as their, as their selves, you know, his, you know, him being his Neo's boss or whatever, you know, about, uh, being forced to do a fourth, you know, matrix, uh, you know, by Warner brothers. I I just thought it was just hysterical. I mean, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's almost like, is this really the conversation that happened that led to all of this? I mean, it was just kind of, it was just kind of an interesting nod. And, and so I thought that was great. And then, um, you know, I also thought, you know, rather than it just be the machines decided to, 
you know, resurrect them or do something crazy with them. You know, I thought it was a great concept to kind of bring in the, you know, to play on again on top of what had already been established in the lore of we you know, basically this entity, this analyst f- figuring out or, or coming to the conclusion, like taking the anomaly of all anomalies and finding that if I have them stay just close enough to each other, I can actually get more power out of you and out of a lot of the other you know humans plugged in than we could before, you know, mm. and, and kind of basically kind of tweaking or, or playing off of, you know, the strength of their relationship to kind of, uh, you know, provide the power that they lacked once, you know, they, uh, a lot of minds were freed and that sort of thing. I thought it was just really cool, you know, yeah. cause it's, it's, it's a very different take on, you know, kind of the foundation that we're all, you know, used to from, from the first, you know, movie and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I, again, just th- those were things I enjoyed and, and, you know, unfortunately I think, uh, I, I don't know if as a, I don't mean to say it this way because I, I think you said it best. You know, if people don't like it, they don't like it, right? I mean, I'm, I'm entitled mm-hmm. to my opinion as well. But I do think sometimes when you have movies that, that have that kind of hopeful message to them, you know, Star Wars is rife with that. Mm-hmm. You like to think people can be somewhat, you know, bought into it and, and, and acknowledging of that as opposed to just kind of crapping all over it. So, Well, and, and see this and it's hard for me to say this because I've spent way too much time on this podcast and in real life <laughs> uh, crapping all over George Lucas for the prequel trilogy, <laughs> uh, specifically The Phantom Menace, for which I will never forgive you for dragging me to a midnight showing of. Um, I, I just had to work that in. Uh, but you do at some point have to acknowledge the the artist's right to create what they want to create. Mm-hmm without owing you know an undue amount of own uh, an undue responsibility to fans yes you have a responsibility to fans certainly as kevin smith has said at cer- at a certain point you are in the fan service business whether you like it or not however they don't the fans do not own the artistic vision the person who created it does and even though there is a certain amount of respect to be paid to the fans, it's not like they're stockholders. And that's where I think, I think there's an issue because I think a lot of fans see themselves as stockholders and some see themselves as like the majority stockholder. Like they own 70% of Star Wars. So damn it, you will do what I want. And if I don't like it, then you're the most horrible human beings ever. And everything is terrible and sucks and ah, burn it all down. Yeah, you owe some respect to the fans. But at the end of the day, the artist has to do what they believe is best. And artists change as they as as we go, we all change going through. Hopefully we all change as we go through life. Hopefully we're all in the process of 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 changing and learning and 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 becoming better people or at least becoming different people than who we were yesterday, 20 years ago, whatever. Not to get all fracking philosophical, but I feel like I have to preface this because this is the movie that Lana Wachowski wanted to make in 2021 or well, 2019, <laughs> wherever the production schedule began with this movie. I, I, I don't know. We're in we're in COVID time. It's like dog years. So who knows? But this is the movie that she wanted to make. And as the same as how some people want Kevin Smith to make like clerks and the same and mall rats and like the same movies that he made when he first started out. 
he's not making those movies now. He's doing different stuff. And he's done stuff that people were like, oh, like he did like, hey, let me make a horror movie. Let me make a couple horror movies. Let me make this version of Clerks. Let me make this version of of a movie that, you know, is a Kevin Smith movie, but it's not the original two people hanging out in a convenience store. This is not the this is not the original Matrix movies like this is the movie that that Lana Wachowski was going to make now. And I got to respect that on a certain level, you know, the same as I on as much as I've as I've dogged on George Lucas for the prequel mm-hmm. trilogy. That's the movie he wanted to make then. I didn't like him. I did not I did not agree with how he went about doing it and all that and that's fine. You know, that's my opinion and I don't think George is losing any sleep over oh, the opinion. Oh, you love the political thriller that was Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, there's a great way to to Blockades. bring Star Wars Star Wars back after like what was it? Like two decades of not having Star Wars and all of a sudden we're getting we're getting into trade alliances and tariffs. Oh yeah, that's a way to really bring the fan base back. Woo! <laughs> Excitement. Um but you know, that was his right to make the movie. Yeah. And just yeah. like George Lucas, just like Kevin Smith, because even I mean, people don't associate Kevin Smith with being a very rich man. And he he's not really. But the dude, it, it, he is his his life is bought and paid for at this point. Like he does mm-hmm. not really owe anybody much. He can do whatever he wants. And Lana Wachowski is playing with house money like she can kind of write her own ticket. And if she wants to make the Matrix, you know, for a love story between neo and trinity and really have that be the focus and an unabashed love story really i mean it's it's not (laughs) there's not it's not even it's not even trying to like put it under philosophical layers or anything like that's just what it is right right if that's what she wants to make dude you started the whole thing so go right ahead yep go on with your bad self and you know maybe it's just it hit me at the right time maybe i'm the demographic i don't know but I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I would I would just say to balance that point, like, yeah, you can not enjoy it. You can say, ah, I want to see something different. Fine. But at least acknowledge the fact that you didn't write it. Yeah. You didn't yeah. come up with these characters. So don't like it, but don't act like you, you know, like like the Wachowskis owe you anything because they don't. Yeah. yeah. They don't owe you a damn thing. Indeed. And thus endeth yeah. my rant. Well said. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Any other musings, ramblings, or uh, ventings that need to happen? Nah, nah. I think I pretty much covered it all there and alienated at least half of our audience. So, I think hey, so. Uh, how did how the real jabronis turned out on this one? All right. So, uh, this did one I repeat? Was, sorry. Did I repeat? Am I am I two and zero? Oh? Uh, unfortunately, sir, you did not. Uh, Son of a mother. <laughs> It was a bit of a closer score. This one was 25 to 21, uh, a bit of back and forth. Uh, but ultimately, the man they call Tim uh, squeaked out a victory here. So uh, now, wait, do we have any do we have any controversy over any of these? Uh, not questions? that I can see. Um, they, of course, they all... you're, you're the one who's like one and you're the one who does all the numbers. Like, <laughs> no, everything looks perfectly fine to me. Everything is in order. <laughs> Systems are nominal, Captain. That's right. That's <laughs> Meanwhile, right. what's that smell of smoke? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, the only two questions that that I had question marks next to, we both had the same answer to. Ah, so, so there, there, there wasn't. 
there wasn't really any uh yeah any points of contention um that i could <sighs> see so uh so yeah so i it, demand it, a recount <laughs> oh good god <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I demand a recount. Oh. And Tim goes, oh, brother. Yep, okay. And yep, you still lost. There you go. There's yes. your recount. Google Sheet don't lie. Oh my gosh. So yes, sir. So we are uh, one right. piece. All right. Well, we'll have to discuss exactly how this shakes out, whether we have crisscross crisscrossing bottles or whether we just save the shipping and say, eh, buy your own. Yeah. A negotiation. A negotiation. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Free range idiocy negotiation. <laughs> so that is the last master class that anybody needs right there. Oh, man. But otherwise, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I think where, where our real and jabroni rumors went amiss was uh, just you know, rumors that kind of kept things within the realm of, you know, repeating, you know, the same matrix sort of infrastructure or, or kind of framework, yeah. um, you, you know, didn't exactly pan out because we saw that something new was there. Um, what was really funny is uh, the set of questions where we talked about like, you know, maybe Lawrence Fishburne appearing or Hugo Weaving appearing yeah. was a complete push for the two of us. It was really funny. Like you got too <laughs> wrong. Then I got too wrong. It was, it was really funny. Well, um, so apparently was, Hugo Weaving, uh, they were actually seeing if he could appear in the movie and it couldn't, it didn't work out because mm. of scheduling. So uh, there, there was okay. talks to have him in the movie. Larry Fishburne, which I'm, I love using that because that was how he was uh, billed in Apocalypse Now, which is so absolutely weird. Like, I can't imagine I can't imagine meeting Lawrence Fishburne and going, Larry, I cannot like I, I feel like his stare would just melt me. I would burst into flames or something. It'd yes. be like me meeting Edward James almost and calling him Eddie, having never met him before. Like I just, <laughs> I, I know I would get like the full 100% Admiral stare down and I would mm. just, I would just be weeping in a corner, a broken man. Yes. Um, but when, when asked, uh, Mr. Fishburne said, well, you'll have to ask Lana about that because I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. So I don't know if they never reached out to him whatsoever or mm. what the thought was. And I, I can see where you might have a little bit more license to bring in Hugo Weaving mm -hmm. than you would Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I can't really give a good reason for that, but I feel like because you did because of the way that they treated Smith as like co-equal with Neo, there's a bit more room there to play around with that. Whereas Morpheus, kind of uh, in in the way that they treated him in the second and third movie, really was a side character and was was almost like a third tier character mm -hmm. compared to you know I mean you had of course you have Neo and Trinity and Smith kind of at the top analyst I, I don't even, analyst was almost like a second tier character even though he was kind of the big bad yeah he he was the primary antagonist I mean yeah he, he kind of wandered between first tier and second tier characters depending on where he was in the movie. Right. And then you kind of have bugs and, mm. uh, you know, was kind of in that second tier. And Morpheus, uh, an argument can be made where he was not even in the in that second tier. Mm -hmm. um, I, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see where that would work out. But again, I, uh, yeah, well. I think, you know, when when I watched the movie the second time, I mean, most of the impact of the Morpheus character is really in the beginning of the movie. And it really yeah. has to do more with with 
you know, him being leveraged as the tool to kind of really get Neo to wake up. Yes. Which is exactly yeah. what he was in the first movie. Like that was where he served the greatest purpose was, was, you know, seeking out the one and getting the one to wake up and realize who he is. Yeah. And, but he also, and, he, he, that influence kind of did carry through the movie because then of course the, the rescue of Morpheus really was what was well, what yes, brought Neo right. to that point. So, I mean, he was still a, a main right. fixture in yeah. the in that thing where really by the time you get midway through the second act of this movie like halfway through the movie well exactly yeah morpheus is just you know he's just a guy he's it, just it, another yeah. exactly. dude with you know fancy sunglasses and that's it right and but to your point the smith character like you said ha- has a tighter coupling to to neo and and still has relevant relevancy in terms of the story yeah, but but in the, in somewhat in the same way as the analyst, like he disappears for a good portion of the movie. Like mm-hmm. you almost forget Smith is there for like kind of that, yeah, you know, like the 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 third quarter of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just nowhere to be found. Like you don't even hear from him. It's like, well, did, did they just forget, forget about him? <laughs> Before I forget. How funny was the disheveled Merovingian? Oh, that was great. <laughs> who, oh, my who gosh. basically is just talking absolute gibberish and nonsense, you know, moaning. Like, it, it's almost like he's, like, like channeling every person from, you know, like, like let's say, I, I mean, I don't mean to say it this way, but anyone who's anti-tech, right? I mean, he's just, like, channeling yeah. all of this vitriol. <laughs> well, you know who he's really channeling? Gary Busey in <laughs> real life. Like that's Mr. That's, Joshua, like Gary Busey. Now that's who that's who the Merovingian is, oh just with a, with a beard and everything. And I didn't realize who it was at first. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's him! <laughs> nice. <laughs> and what they call him, like a uh, like marriage or something like that, like they Merv? like or something. Yeah, they had a they had a nickname for him, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how far you fallen? Like no one would have dared have you had a nickname for you before. You were mm-hmm. the Merovingian. Like yep. it referred to as like it was you had a title. Yeah. And now you're just, ah, yeah, that crazy dude, that crazy old coot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, how the mighty fantastic. have fallen. That was fantastic. And he did. And he did manage to get back to the he, he there was a mention in the gibberish of like that moment when you in the second movie, I think it was where he was talking about, ah, I loved speaking French. It's like wiping your ass with silk. <laughs> yes. And he managed to reference that in the gibberish. And I was just like, you know what? I'm all yep. good with this movie right now. Like, uh, yep. okay, you just bumped it up for me right there. That's all it takes. You reference some stupid joke that I remember from like 18 years ago. And I'm like, yep. sweet. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Funny. You've got me friggin' nailed so easily. It's pathetic. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, only other thing I'll say is I think the rumors we were looking at, um, we were a little, you know, kind of close with, with, you know, what they were going to do with Trinity. I think we were kind of on that, uh, on, on that wavelength with, uh, you know, her, her being the one or, or it being kind of about her and maybe Neo being a guide for her, but clearly story went in, in a slightly different direction, but, but kind of along those lines a little bit. So, yeah. So we, we, you know, weren't completely, uh, you know, out in left field, but more like uh shallow left. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there were definitely moments when, I mean, if you want to talk about left field, I mean, we were definitely in Manny Ramirez territory a couple times where it's like, we're not staring at, we're not out staring at butterflies, but we're damn close. Indeed. Damn close. Indeed. And did you, by the way, did you also notice um, 
I didn't realize this, uh, probably because I, I had no idea what the dude would look for. Chad, uh, Trinity's uh, husband in the flick. Oh, I know uh, where you're going. Good. Is a uh, is Chad uh, Stel? Uh, I can't Stahelski. I believe that's how his name is pronounced. Uh, who is Neo's uh, Keanu Reeves' former stunt double ah. and, a, and a stunt coordinator from the original Matrix tree uh, trilogy, and also the writer and director of the John Wick movies. Very nice. And originally. John Wick 4 and The Matrix 4 were both supposed to come out almost simultaneously. Like that was the o- that was the OG like release dates. Oh, really? So you would have had you would have had Neo up against John Wick. Interesting. Glad it didn't happen because yes. I'm I yes. and and I mean <laughs> the funny thing is like I I would have been looking more forward to John Wick 4 than Matrix 4. I still got to watch John Wick. Oh, dude, let me tell you, they aren't. It's you're not going to get any of the philosophical discussions that you get about the Matrix. But man, <laughs> as far as like bang for your buck, mm-hmm. and as far as as consistency, and I would actually say the John Wick, the 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 three John Wick movies, put them up against the the three trilogy uh, Matrix movies. There is a lot more consistency and a lot more building of the world that that is kind of in a linear and logical progression for the John Wick movies than there was for the Matrix movies. Hmm. Okay. I, and that's why I can I can kind of appreciate like the I appreciate the how well the original Matrix movie was, and then I'm kind of like, eh, and I'll tolerate the other two. Whereas something like john wick it's like yeah it's it's a solid trilogy like none of them are gonna are gonna rank up there with like the matrix in terms of like cinematic achievement yeah but yeah. as far as like man really consistent and just kind of well constructed for what they are kind of tough to beat them yeah so yeah but um i give you the highest recommendation to watch john wick movies oh my gosh they're so much fun all right. so much fun all right and, and and especially just for like ah oh, just some of the you know just some of the 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 actors who come up in it and just oh just some of the moments are are gorgeous absolutely okay. gorgeous and wonderful and fun nice and I mean a, a fun in the way that you know like there's people getting wasted everywhere but yet no cops showing up which is again it's like it's like Grand Theft Auto as long as you do it and you get away the cops never find you apparently in John Wick world. <laughs> I don't even know if the police exist in John Wick, honestly, because I can't even remember seeing even like blue lights anywhere. And yet there's like thousands of bullets being being shot everywhere across these cities and nothing happens. And another thing. That is a topic for another podcast, another day. Right now, um, what you got for in another thing? Well, we kind of already touched on it during the Week in Geek. Uh, again, this uh, wonderful family gift we got. Uh, at Christmas, a obsessed with Star Wars, test your knowledge of a galaxy far, far away by Benjamin Harper. 2,500 questions that will humble, humble you. Oh, before I forget. Make you humble. Make you humble. Going back to the Merovingian, did, did you notice at the end when he, before he stormed off in his angry state, he, he did the old hapa. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, Shiki. <laughs> 
You better watch out. Sheik will <laughs> suplex and put him in the camel clutch. Make him humble. Oh, my gosh. So, anyways, when, when I said humble, it made me think of that. So, uh, But, yes, we, we will be incorporating this into uh, the, the Week in Geek as just a playful contest. Uh, probably no bourbon on the line because Uncle Todd knows the man they called him is a mastery of Star Wars. No, because Knowledge. you have the answers right in front of you. No, I will. What I will do is I'll have oh, my younger here son we go. pick out the five questions, write the numbers down. I will read them. We'll do our answers and then I'll check the uh, the answer key. You're going to get this book on like you're going to get this book uh, off Audible and you're going to be listening to it in your sleep. <laughs> it's be like s- subliminal learning. Oh, man. Very paranoid individual, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. What have you heard? <laughs> What's it to you? Anyways, that that is my end. Another thing, uh, if, if you're interested in in testing yourself in the Star Wars trivia space, uh, there there is some deep deep cuts in this one. Uh, apparently, to the tune of nostril count of aliens <laughs> that we may not have actually seen in the movies. So do do check it out and uh, and and uh, enjoy with friends and family. You, sir, what is your end? Another thing. A little bit something different here. Um, I am a I am a peruser of Reddit, and um, as we talked about in a previous episode, like the the entire thing of people on sites like Reddit or, or the interwebs in general, usually just crapping all over new music and then going back and telling you how fantastic Led Zeppelin was and that you don't understand or you know whatever their their group du jour from years gone by is, and you're just too you know dim to understand the greatness of this uh someone actually posted uh something positive they're like hey uh as someone who is you know older i think a guy said he was like in his 40s and who's classic rock kind of era guy and and he says i i never i haven't found a lot of new rock and that is that is one of my complaints i would say about just where music is in general and in terms of the zeitgeist these days is uh, rock is not really huge uh in terms of you know whatever mass media and so i was going to say the radio but who the crap listens to the radio anymore guys our age um <laughs> which actually brings me to another thing like there's a station like the station out here back east which you know it uh does the 24 7 christmas music yeah up, up until christmas and then you know their their normal thing is like the best from the 70s or the the this 80s the 90s and today and i'm like it's been 20 years since the 90s got over. <laughs> like literally you're like today in quote marks is just as long as like your classics section. Like you got to come up with a new tagline. The audience doesn't quite, you know, ring. Uh, so bad. Anyways, uh, and this person led me to this band and I, I've I listened to the album today while I was working out at the gym, which again is kind of my it's my new test bed for for music, especially if it's music that's got, you know, a little bit of edge to it, a little little grit under its fingernails. Mm-hmm. Because it's good when you're lifting heavy things to have something that motivates you. You don't want to be relaxed when you're when you're squatting a couple hundred pounds <laughs> or something. You really want you want your nerve endings to be kind of like, you know, a little little perked up at that point. Uh, but the band is called Turnstile. And the album is called Glow On, and it was just released this year. Nice. Uh, I found it on Apple uh, Apple Music. I'm sure you can find it uh, in various different places. I'll link to their website. I believe they're on Bandcamp. And I, I will just say this. 
if you have an opportunity, if you don't already pay for a streaming service or whatever, or even if you do, if you really want to support a band or a musician or an artist and they're on Bandcamp, always buy off of Bandcamp. Always, 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 always. As someone who had an album that was that, well, it still is out there, um, but had albums that, you know, were streaming on, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, all these different platforms that we could download it as well. Bandcamp is the the highest percentage that an artist can earn off of selling their music digitally. It is far and away the highest yeah. percentage. So if you really want to support a band, and I would say this even if you even if you do have something that's streaming, go buy the album if you really like it. I know that you can get, you can stream it and all that. They they're getting paid pennies, if that. They're lucky actually if they're getting paid <laughs> pennies. Uh, if, in case you know what Spotify's pay structure is, oh my gosh, it's like, hey, you got a million pl- plays. Here's a quarter, <laughs> not a quarter of a million. Here's a literal quarter. Yeah, and um, so so buy the album off of Bandcamp and then still stream it and and you know really help artists out. But anyways, really good album, really nice. good album, and it, it kind of has some elements of. Um, <sighs> Like there's there's a Jane's addiction sort of vibe to this in ah. some like vocally and and some of the there was some of the guitar that kind of reminded me of that. There was also a little bit of Stone Temple Pilots vibe and, and like there's I can definitely tell where there's some influences coming in. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. overall, just a really solid album. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's something that I can definitely see myself listening to at different times and not just when I'm working out, but I could see myself, uh, you know, putting this on, driving around, stuff like that, and going to have to go back and uh, and look up the rest of the the discography for these folks, and uh, maybe dive a little of that. But uh, I would say, glow on, give it a give it a listen if you want. If you're just looking for hard rock, this might be your thing right now. This might nice. be your thing. Made right here in the 21st century. No going back to the 70s required. From the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. Oh, gosh. Not the aughts and not the tens. <laughs> In other words, music that you don't have to really listen to to listen to. Uh, well, that sounds but cool, we, man. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, by all means. By all means. And uh, now we've, of course, come to the end of our time here, folks. Uh, thank you for the members of the Free Range ADC congregation who have gathered together. Uh, where, well, not really gathered together because we're all, well, we gathered together separately to all listen to this together apart. And if that makes no sense to you, it makes no sense to me. And I just said it. So we're all together apart, individually together in understanding, but not Kinda. really understanding. Maybe. Sort of. Exactly. Somewhat. I swear to God, I'm sober. I really. <laughs> I mean, I'm really tired, but I'm sober. Oh, honest. Gosh. Uh, but thank you once again for for gathering, for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have not subscribed to our humble little podcast here on the interwebs, mm. my God, what's stopping you? It's only a click away. Go to freerangeadc.com and you can find all of our episodes. You can actually subscribe there through Podbean. However, if you like getting your podcasts uh, through other ways, if you like going through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever.
whatever it might be. Go ahead and search for Free Range Idiocy, and we will hook you up there. Uh, we're at a bunch of different places. If we're not on there, uh, feel free to send an, an email to tim at freerangeidiocy.com, and we'll try and get our podcast onto the purveyor of your choice. And if you want some extra points in the Free Range Idiocy MLM uh, congregation, <laughs> you want to level up. You want to you want to be more than just a downline manager. You want to get up to like uh, whatever. I was I was watching Lula Rich the other day. Watch the first couple episodes of that. Oh my gosh, yeah, That's some crazy town stuff. But anyway, uh-huh. you want to level up. Go ahead and follow us on the social medias as well. We're on we are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we are on Instagram. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. Uh, again, the email address Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, or even offers of outright bribery, uh, we are not above or below listening to any of those. So feel free to send those over to Tim. He'll get back to you forthwith, if not sooner. And now we've come to that time of the show, that blessed time of the show when i stop flapping my gums well at least until i interrupt him again and uh but i like to do that after i ask the second most important question that has ever been asked by humankind the first of course being what is hip the second being the hell did we learn this show uh we've learned the following my friend all righty uh we have learned that the man they call tim turns into the old man from a christmas story when he has to put a headlight bulb into his honda fit do you have it's any of your pretty. knuckles left? Do you have like any skin left on your knuckles whatsoever? Uh, a little bit, but not a whole. <laughs> I didn't just... realize I was going to have to perform, you know, tauntaun surgery on the car. <laughs> Did it smell bad too? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Oh my gosh. Uh, we have also learned, uh, you know, it, the idiot bowl has shown us uh, the man they call Tim is the idiot of the uh, 2021 campaign. Uh, I don't know if that's something I should put on a resume or not, but uh, sure, go right ahead. And it is, you know what? I gotta say, if I have to be done with fantasy football, and I am done with fantasy football, I'm glad that I could go out losing to you in the most idiotic way possible with Dalvin (laughs) Cook flipping me the bird one last time. It is note perfect ladies and yes, gentlemen it is. it is note perfect it is it is a swan song that I, it's like mick foley losing every single time he has a he has like this is my final match and he always loses that's exactly <laughs> me it, it's just it, it's perfect wouldn't want wouldn't want it any other way well thank you my friend it has been a pleasure uh contesting three different games with you and uh i look forward to next season when you will be uh voraciously looking forward to joining us for another season no because this has been sheer hell for me so i appreciate (laughs) it but i am done i am done done we've also learned that apparently uh, in star wars there was an alien called the ogre uh apparently it has four nostrils and apparently there was a jedi master who comes from that that race so we will learn more in future episodes uh when we get into the obsessed with star wars trivia book you son of a gun dark you i tell you and uh we have also learned spider-man no way home and matrix resurrections two uh two very good stories very good movies do check them out uh don't listen to all the negative uh, reviews over there uh it's good stuff and uh all around uh both uh, uncle todd and the man they call tim walk away a bourbon bottle each uh from uh these two different contests with all that being said 
Uh, mm. We do thank you again for your support for the downloads. And as we like to wrap things up, be safe, be healthy, mm. be kind, be good to one another. And uh, 2022 is starting, and uh, you know we got to start padding the old budget. So if you would please hit the lights on the way out. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Do it. Well, well. How the hell are you? Quiet, I am rolling. Depends on how you look at it. I mean, it's not like anybody's putting a gun to their head now, is it? <laughs> That's what I love about Wyatt. He can talk himself into anything. <laughs> oh, Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. So I don't know if I'm just losing sensation here, but once again, it's, it was getting cold out here on the porch yeah. as I'm recording. I can't feel my feet anymore. Is that... <laughs> Should I be concerned about that? I think so. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Like it, like the pins and needles feeling even went away. I, oh, dear. I, I didn't want to panic at all, but I'm scared to stand up. Now get the hell out of here!